Welcome to the Passion Harvest podcast audio series. Thank you so much for listening today. I am Louisa, your host, International Passion Ambassador. If you would like to watch this episode, please head over to our Passion Harvest channel on YouTube. We love taking you on a journey to discover your passions. Thanks for listening. Hello, passionate listeners. Welcome to Passion Harvest. We aim to inspire you to live a passionate life. I have an awesomely exciting guest today. Her name is Heather Price. Heather is a shamanic healing practitioner and trainer and counsellor and mentor. Using her intuitive gifts, shamanic wisdom and deep connection to the sacred, Heather sets out to inspire those who journey with her to live, love and lead in a spirited way. Heather offers well-being and visionary consultancy for her clients in business and corporate arenas. Her greatest passions are writing and holding sacred circles and ceremony for community, especially when in nature. I'm really looking forward to this episode and I hope you enjoy it. And if you do, please subscribe. This is her story and this is her passion. Heather Price, welcome to Passion Harvest. Thank you so much. It's lovely to be here, Louisa. Thank you so much. We're finally, I finally got you on the show. So I'm happy about that. Um, I guess I always like to start is a little bit about you and about your journey and how you got to where you are now. Well, I think I, it's been a lifelong journey to reach the point that I'm at. However, I do think uh, I knew a lot of what I know now when I was very small and then I forgot it. You know, as life took me on this big journey, I remembered it all. So I was born as nature's child and I was born out in, the, um, in northern New South Wales in a hospital, but we you know, grew up on a property and um, I spent all my childhood in nature up until the age of 11 when I went to boarding school. So I spent a lot of time with trees and horses. They were my two passions growing up and spent most of my time up a tree <laughs> or sitting on the ground talking to horses or talking to horses standing up or on their back. But I didn't like riding much. I just enjoyed being around them. And then I went to boarding school and left all that behind and, and went to Sydney and discovered that there was a whole new world out there. And then that began to a, a great introversion in that I didn't manage it terribly well, being away from the bush. And... During my childhood also, because I was such a dreamer, I, I used to dissociate a lot and I had a lot of trauma in my life and different parts of my life as well. And I learned to go to other places to talk to my angels and my guides as I know them now, but mostly to tree spirits and horses. You know, and I used to telepathically communicate with them. So I spent a lot of time inside my other world that I didn't know everybody didn't have and I could see spirits and I thought everybody could see them. So. It was all very natural for me. However, soon learned that other people didn't see what I could see or hear what I could hear, and so I kept it to myself and um, became known as a little bit strange and in the family. And not to, you know, I could think people's thoughts before they said them. He, I knew who was on the other end of the phone before it was picked up. So you know that that was where I was at in those days, and then I suppressed it as I grew older, which is very common. Mm. Yeah, and um, as I grew older and had more experiences of this world, this reality, 
I became aware that I still wasn't whole. You know, there was something missing because I'd left that world behind. And over the years, again, through trauma, through um, health, bad health, and through um, a nervous sort of condition, I woke up to the other worlds again when I was in my 20s. And then it started to unfold that I could see spirits again and hear what was going to, in a sense, what was going to happen. All that came back it was sort of over the 10-year period. And then I was able to speak to my guides and they guided me through the shamanic way and initiated me after five years to become a teacher. And I've been teaching since 2004. And I moved to the city in the middle of all of that, back to the city. And I actually lived six doors from where I went to boarding school. Oh, wow. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I love that. That sounds like so many of us, obviously, I directly relate to that. You know, we we have an imagination and a different childhood. And then we grow up with the society's conditions. We change. And I think we get to a stage in our lives and realized we're not that's not us it's not you know our multi-dimensional selves it's not the fullness of us so that's really interesting what and I'd love to segue into the shamanic way but what I just I'm really interested in the elementals and how you speak to this is a common question I get how do you connect and speak with trees and nature look you know I think that's one of the most rewarding parts of my practice is taking people out into nature one by one and with a staff that I have that activates that for them. And they, it has this kind of magic, you know, I give them the staff, they walk along. I'm sure any staff would work, but mine's particularly good. And teach people how to stop when they feel that staff pull them up and they feel the earth change under their feet and their heart usually beats quite rapidly. And then they look around and I say, what do you see? And, you know, this is the first important step is to just to be a really good observer. So it's about observing this, the world around you first and describing it. And I get them to describe it to me to see what they can see. Then I say, soften your eyes and see what you can see, what else you can see. What, what can you see in this bark? You know, what can you see in this leaf? And when you soften your eyes... It's amazing what appears. I mean, I, I was somewhere the other day listening. I was on a panel actually speaking at um, um, a community gathering out in nature and there were quite a few people in the audience and I noticed that while other people were speaking, there was an energy coming into the room and I thought there's a spirit with us. And I just softened my eyes and I looked at the tiled floor and I saw this beautiful woman and she'd shown herself me in the to me in the tiles I could see her eyes and nose and mouth her hair her whole face appeared to me in her shoulders and she was smiling and I just welcomed her and said thank you for being here and she was obviously a wise spirit and this is what happens when you look at the trees and you soften and you enter that other world so you're in the world in between the worlds you open a portal a doorway and a face will appear in the tree an animal spirit appears more often than not it's more and more an animal spirit and they talk to you and they just give you messages and uh, if you listen. That was, I, I'm so fascinated and so excited by this. I just want to clarify, when you say soften your eyes, it's not necessarily closing your eyelids, is it? Um, it's a bit like, like right now, if I was to focus on your face and bring my 100% attention to you, I can see your whole face, 
you know, I can see the colour of your lips and your texture and tone of your face. I'm concentrating. But when I'm listening to what I'm saying and listening to what beneath what I'm saying, beyond what I'm saying and beyond what you're saying, my eyes stop focusing so much on, on the donkey behind you or the starts the show more the donkey behind you actually. When I stop focusing on you, I soften and I can see those animals behind you in a picture and then I can have a sense of there being a spirit around that one on that one on your right at the back and it's quite alive and it's actually, it's almost coming through. So the minute I stop taking that three-dimensional reality away and soften my eyes as in allow them to stop focusing on that in front of me something happens you enter another world and if you learn how to do it deliberately you can actually get messages come through so if i if i deliberately turn my eyes up to the right like that mm -hmm. i immediately connect with a, my teacher guide he's there all the time it's where he sits in my energy field and so if i go like that He'll, he'll look at me and say something to me if I need him to straight away or I can hear him. Um, so we can find these portals within our energy field around us that allow us to enter from this world into another world. And just by moving our eyes or by softening our eyes as in taking them back, taking them out of this focus into a different focus, which is, yeah, it's a gentle feeling. It's a feeling more than anything. So if when you... Think of your children or think of your grandchildren, your nieces or nephews or children. If you don't have any children, someone else's child, we soften. Mm. And it's similar. It's, it's a softening that happens through your whole body and through your eyes, allows you to see something beyond the reality of the third dimension. I, I, just, I just love all this. And, and, and anyone can do it. It's just a matter of practicing all the training to do it. Everybody has been able to do it. I've taken groups of 30 people on these walks, which is a bit too many. But, you know, I haven't had anybody. And, and some, one day I took a group of scientists. It was a friend's birthday. And, and many of her friends were scientists and they'd never experienced. I mean, scientists and shamanism go very well, hand in hand, okay. because we're both curious people. So they were curious as to what on earth they're going to experience on her birthday. And I took them through the, the forest. and. You know, some of them were immediately into it. They knew exactly what was happening. Others were a little bit sceptical, which is typical of a scientist because you need to be. But when they began to notice that there was a deep connection in nature with me, particularly, but with the, what we, the process, what we were doing. And the thing is, once you start to realise this, the birds come and they sit by you and they talk to you and they fly over you and they come very close to you. The creatures come and the wind starts to stir. So you learn to speak to the wind when you go out in nature. You learn to realise that, that nature actually talks back to us. We know most people haven't got a clue that the scientists know and this is why they realise because they, have, they would have read a lot about this and scientists are now able to... I was listening to a podcast yesterday, would you believe? I can't remember the name of the podcast, but it was about talking to trees and listening oh. to trees. And this scientist had gone right up to the canopy and, a, and he records sounds at the top of trees and they all have different sounds. You know, they have these different kind of, they make it a definite sound when, you, when they turn the volume up, almost like communication between each other. And they're different to each other. And so when we talk to nature, it will talk back if we're conscious. Of, and allow that 
possibility. Yeah. And I, I guess also when you're quiet in your mind, I think a lot of people or I used to think that, you know, a portal is a, a different space, but it's actually where you are now. It's not like you have to go to another location. It's in this exact location. Oh, no, you don't have to go to anywhere else. It's yes. all within us. <laughs> That's sometimes a preconceived idea that, you know, going to a portal, you know, you've got to go to a different location, but everything is here where we are now. Oh, I see. Yes, everything is here. Yeah. Which exactly. is a hard concept to grasp that, you know, I'm sitting here right now, but there's a whole other many, many dimensions right in this reality that I'm in right now. It's just a hard concept to grasp at first. Well, I think the easiest way to grasp it is through our dreams. We know that we have dreams and that they seem very real. Sometimes you can't tell that you're not in a dream. You know, you like there are some dreams where you kind of know you're in a dream and, and you're walking through the dream lucidly, as they call it. That's the name for it. Mm-hmm. And so you realise, oh, I'm in a dream and I'm not really myself in this dream. I'm somebody else. You know? So there's sort of like a knowing. Um, but sometimes you can be so much in a dream that you get a shock when you wake up because it's so real. Have you ever had that experience? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's because you're in another portal of time and space and it is real. It's just not tangible in this particular world that our consciousness is born into and that we become so familiar with. And as little children, we still have those really real portals, those portals so strongly open, some of us, not everybody. And, and you know, I've done some experiments with my own family. Some of my grandchildren are much more intuitive than others and my nieces and nephews same thing it's i don't know why some are born into this world where that's still open that portal and others definitely have it closed Mm. how interesting just fascinating and you mentioned a a staff before what how would you define a staff what is a staff well it's funny because when i started going out into the bush to teach myself because no one taught me this way except my way they did my guides taught me and the mountain called me and i went to the mountain but no one physically took my hand and said, Heather, this is what you are going to learn today, which is what I do for other people. Mm-hmm. I just had this call to go to this mountain near where I lived and I couldn't get it out of my head. It was there all. Every time I went past the mountain, the mountain said to me, you must come to me and sit with me and one day you will meet the, um, you will meet the woman of this mountain and she'll become your great friend. And so I, this is like 30 years ago or longer, even longer. And I'd be driving up to my mother's, who lived, she lived up near Noosa, in Noosa, and go past this mountain of the, green, uh, the Glasshouse Mountains. And every time I would hear it tell me the same thing over and over. And I think, oh, I have to go there one day. But this, this is early days with my, this is before I had that real awakening and, and started the, the initiation. So eventually I got to the mountain and it comes back to the staff. But when I got to the mountain, I had this need to um, find a staff. I don't, don't know, I can't explain it except that mm-hmm. I needed to find a staff. I knew what a staff was innately inside of me and I knew that it would guide me as I knew other things. Like there was a stone that was given to me from there. And, and so I said to the mountain, I've come to collect one staff, please. Can you show it to me? And the mountain said, of course but you have to bring a group of people here first. And I said, what for? The mountain said, to teach them what you know. 
And I said, well, um, I don't know about that. People would think I was crazy. (laughs) (laughs) And the mountain said, well, you can have your staff when you come and bring a group of people. Well, I went back twice and said to the mountain, please may I have my staff. And I (laughs) I searched. I searched, you know, you know, like, you know how this is like bushland. There would have been thousands of staffs, but none of them showed themselves to me. I couldn't find a single one. And the mountain was laughing at me and said, when you bring the people, I'll show, I'll give you your stuff. Well, I did finally. I brought seven people, or six people plus me. There were seven of us in the circle. And I, and I took them through a meditation and, I, and then I started to laugh. And they said, what are you laughing about? And I said, well, apparently I'm getting my staff today because I brought you here. And I said, so we better go and see if we can find one. And I picked them all up to walk the walk and go into the other world, which I hadn't really discovered how to do that at that point. And there at the entry were three staffs, perfect staffs, which is about two metres or metre and a half long. And three of them, which my numbers are seven and three. So there were seven of us and I was born on the seventh or the third. And there were three staffs waiting there for me to select one from. And I just burst into tears. I thought, well, there you go. So I selected one of the staffs and the other two, and it's been with me ever since. It has my phone number on the bottom of it in case I forget it. Oh, that's beautiful. And, yeah. So I knew the minute I took that staff that that was my way of connecting to the mountain. And you get given the staff. It's a part of my initiation was to be given the staff, and my students go through that as well. Hmm. So a staff is a, a piece of wood. It's a branch. A branch, like sorry, a, a branch. Yeah, like it's yeah, like it's a long branch and it's very steady. Some people get quite thick ones. Mine's probably about an inch across or a couple of centimetres across. Mm. Yeah, and it's just very plain. I haven't decorated it or anything. I love it and I feel it's in my car now. I take it everywhere with me. I'm travelling at the moment. I've, I used to pay $35 to take it on the aeroplane. Really? <laughs> yeah. With me because I, you know, would go from one location to Melbourne or Sydney or wherever I was going when I was living in Queensland and, and took it everywhere with me until finally I said, it's getting expensive, this stuff. Yeah. And so I was given another one. I was given another stuff, which is identical. On the last day that I left Queensland, I was given a stuff and I left it there. So when I'm not driving and I'm flying, I have it in storage. I go and pick it up and it doesn't like being storage particularly, but it's, it's there and it's kept well. Yeah. I just love your journey. It's amazing. And, you know, you're, you're evolving to trust yourself and not worry about what other people think, which I think, you know, everyone on this spiritual journey, it's quite a challenge to trust your intuition and not worry what other people think if they think you're peculiar in some way for talking to mountains or whatever your modality might be. Louise, I cannot tell you how many hours I've wasted worrying about what people think. And yeah. it still happens. It still happens and it's such a shame in this world that we have to, you know, walk around imagining people think we're crazy and I know that people think that way about me and people I love think that way about me. But I've come to understand that as long as I don't think that way about myself, then everything's okay and that I have to be gentle with people who don't experience what I experience because it is unusual. And I'm blessed, you know, and, and I feel very sad that not everybody can have these experiences because I don't ever feel lonely, you know, I don't ever feel, I don't ever feel unsupported and um, I only have to go and touch a tree as I did yesterday on my way here. 
I stopped the car for a moment and went and stood on the earth, put my hand on the tree. I said, hi, I'm Heather and on my way to Queensland, I'm just stopping to say hello to you and you're so beautiful, you know, and I could, I can do that knowing that I'm heard and that I'm loved all the way through on the journey. And I think a lot of people feel very isolated. So I, I think I've stopped worrying so much about what people think and instead have compassion for, for other people who don't really understand what you know, the beauty of this planet and what's important and um, how simply we can live really and you know, that search for wholeness, it doesn't have to be beyond a tree or the earth. You know, we don't have to have huge possessions and homes and cars to feel whole. We can just see all the beauty and, 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 and the amazing, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, bounty all around us uh, every day. Mm. Well, you probably don't need it, but I just feel that I need to say congratulations for honouring your truth. <laughs> really. Thank you. So Thank I'm you. so interested in, there's so many things I want to talk to you about, but in the interest of time, I can't. You take, I mean, I would love to go, you take people out to country and how does it work? The groups that you take out and the initi well, initiation. The first thing we do is, of course, as we've been taught to do in this land, is to acknowledge the ancestors. And everybody seems to have an understanding of that. Not everybody enjoys that because they don't understand it. And, and I mean that because I know that. However, I love doing that and, and just connecting people with, with the caretakers in the unseen world. So all the trees have got spirits in them, you know, and all everything has spirits keeping it alive. And, and so... I introduce people that way to the land and then I teach them about the directions so that they have a map. So they learn if they have a map of directions and each north, south, east and west, which is north is your body, south is your mind, west is your heart and east is your spirit in my map. So I teach them how to read the messages coming from each of those directions and they learn to have a, um, a compass and it's a spiritual compass. So I teach people at that level first and then they get to, they, they feel a bit more solid because they've got something tangible. So I say, look, there's a bird, the magpie coming from the east and it's coming to bring you a message about your journey, your purpose, or, you know, there's a crow flying from the, the north. Or, I mean, I've, it's been, it's, I teach them to be a great observer, to watch how nature responds and brings its own messages to you. So that's how we begin and they bring, then I take them to the nearest grandmother and grandfather tree, which were two guardian trees and an indigenous friend of mine called Wind Walker taught me about that. So he's an, an Aboriginal man from um, not this country, not, not um, Brisbane where I was taught, but he was further out west. And um, yeah, so the, the, you introduce yourself to the trees. That's the first thing you do. And you say why you're there and you might touch the tree and ask permission to enter between the worlds, the world between the worlds. And you do. You know, something opens up in you, they help you. And then I say, I want you to announce to the tree or to the grandmother what you've come to heal in you today, what your issue is, what your problem is, what you'd like help with or support with. Not so much... Um, to be changed or anything but just to announce and to tell and to declare and and then that's shown to you so you have to give an an idea your intention has to be shared and then you go on the journey 
but you can do this by yourself. I mean, just having this guidance will be enough for people to have a try. But it is lovely to have someone who knows what they, you know, they've been doing it for a long time beside you. And I've taught all my students how to do that as well. So it would be very beautiful for everyone to be able to do that. It sounds absolutely amazing. And you facilitate this, it's in Queensland? Or all over Australia? I do it wherever I am. Yeah, okay. well, wherever I am. And, and, you know, people can invite me. I was invited by some farmers in 2012 to about 19. I took about 19 farmers out to, I mean, I was born on the land. I was the farmer graziers like me. And I knew the grasses and the trees just as they did. So that was an advantage. But I took them on a shamanic walk, as I call it. And... Um, they said it was just incredible. They loved it so much and could see nature through different eyes. They'd never, ever looked at nature that way. And uh, we spent a whole day out in the bush talking to the trees and the land and the landscapes. And then we played some music at the end and they all had a great time. So they invited me in and I you know, went there for a whole weekend and I did other things with them as well. So I can do consultation in that, at that level or I will take people out individually as do my students and I know they're growing now, my graduates, and we just take them out and stand beside them, but we have to teach them how to do it. So, And, of course, our Indigenous sisters and brothers do this all the time, so there's always that avenue you could go to them as well, I'm sure. You could find someone to help you wherever you are. I just, I love this. And I also understand you work, you or you have worked a lot in the corporate sector Um yeah, in the past. Yes, the past. I don't work, work as much. I do have um, my, every year I, I just did my 11th vision board with a group of accountants and some of them have been there the whole time each year and they love it so much they keep getting me back. So, um, But I did work quite closely to an agency, government agency for a number of years and you know did lots of teamwork. And um, I'm not sure that we did shamanic walks but we did a lot of other things that were very, very beautiful. We had, you know, vision board uh, workshops often, but I did, I did take some of the managers on individual walks into the bush. It's great for leadership. It's a wonderful thing if you're, you know, wanting to expand in leadership and become a, a greater observer and to become more connected with your team to learn some of these skills. And there's a... A man called Richard Wyatley, who is in America, who um, he must be in his 80s by now, but he, he wrote a book called Corporate Shamanism, and it's a fictional book. And I, and I read it and just loved it, so I contacted him, and he was, he was beautiful because he helped to mentor me into the corporate world. So he, you know, he teaches, uh, he used to teach all the time in that area because that was where he, he had a PhD, I think, in business or something and taught at the universities over there. But, yeah, I do love working with corporate people because they're leaders in particular, executives, but everybody, it's, it's great fun. And you also um, are a mentor for shamanic business to, to lead a business in a shamanic way. For people in small businesses small who, businesses. yeah, who like to to have influences from other dimensions and like to expand their consciousness beyond that um, you know, business model. I, I, I began a vision keeper group in Sydney and I have one in Brisbane for people who are leaders in business, um, but spiritual business mainly. Mm-hmm. However, I do mentor people in mainstream business if they're interested and they have an interest in, in this kind of 
expansion and to open up to something different. Yeah, and it works very well for people because often it can be a very isolating place to be in that corporate world or in your own business and not have a, a deeper connection to spirit and to the earth. Absolutely. So it helps people to ground and to fill themselves up. Yes, absolutely. Gosh, what light you're spreading to the world. I also wanted to touch on you have eight ways uh, walking consciously and confidently. What is the eight ways? Well, I have to take my glasses off. I can't see you now, Louise. I just oh. imagine I look at you in the other world, okay? Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. That's even better. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not used to looking through them. I don't wear them very often. The, uh, the eight ways came to me in 2007 I was just thinking that on oh no, the 2009 they came uh, 2011 they were channeled down through and I went I went to Hawaii in 2009 just after my dad passed away and I had I had this very soft heart as you can imagine it was only two weeks that he passed mm. I went over to do some study over there and while I was studying the teacher would ask us to uh, he'd take us on a meditation and say, bring back a song. And I brought my songs back in Hawaiian language and they were relevant to the questions that were to the topic that we were learning. So we're learning about the elements. And and so I'd come back and I'd speak Hawaiian. It was perfect, you know, it's perfectly um, fitted in it with everything. And I did that twice and I was in such a shock and he just sort of took it for granted. It was a shamanic teacher. But I, I realised that I tapped into something very deep and so I continued for two years to have this guide called Master Poe who spoke to me in Hawaiian language and he wouldn't speak to me in English so that was very tricky so I had to buy a dictionary when I was in Hawaii and I came back with it and I had my head in it for two years translating whatever he had to say which took ages <laughs> and then finally in 2011 in April I think it was I was um so it was about a year and a half later. I was meditating. I woke up and I got this message in English. You need your you need your journal and a pen right now. And I thought, oh, it was just one of my guides. And then, of course, it was Master Poe for the first time speaking to me in English. And he gave me the eight ways, one after the other. And he gave me the Hawaiian names and the English translations. And then he said, now I can speak to you in your language to help you understand these. And then. I, I took them to see, I took them to Woodford Folk Festival in the um, May, I think it was one of the, or somewhere, there was somebody at Woodford helped me, Woodford Folk Festival, we'd have lots of different cultures come through there and they used to have a dreaming in the middle of the year and this woman came out from Hawaii and she, um, she translated the whole thing and said they were absolutely perfect. There was one letter that was a wrong, which an A instead of an E or the other way around. And other than that, she said they're spot on. So I developed them further with Master Poe and we are over the few years. And so I, I keep those as my own personal guidance. And I do teach them to people, but it's interesting. For a while there, I thought, oh, there's something I have to share with everybody and get them out to the world. But they're freely available in their rawest form, like in their basic form with a little bit of guidance. And then you can invest a bit further and do a um, download, a, a handbook and learn more about them. But they, they just sum up everything in my work beautifully and um, their principles for walking more consciously and confidently. So they're really very personal principles and I do share them with the world and eventually I may get them out further um, 
but they support my work energetically and I turn to them if ever I'm off track and they just bring me right back. Yeah, they're wonderful. And they really, you know, as I say, they're on my website, they're free. So it's quite a, a good summary of them there. I'm going to go and have a look at them, but obviously for anyone that's listening or watching, I'll put uh, Heather's details in the show notes, which is shamanic path and practice, but um, they will be in the bottom of the show notes. I just love that. (laughs) Um, I know. Well, it's shocked me and and I can still, you know, channel Hawaiian language if if I concentrate, but it's not as easy as it used to be when I was doing it every day. It, I sometimes don't get it quite right, but I get it very close. And, and um, you can't make yeah. this up. Like you can't uh, spell it word for word. It's just not possible. No, and I knew, I knew that there were 13 letters in the alphabet. There are, in fact, 12, and then there's um, an, an mark, I, I, like a stroke that's called something, which I haven't grasped yet, but, which is the 13th letter. But um, 12 that we're aware of, you know, in our own you know, our letters, and then there's an extra letter that's in Hawaiian only. Yeah, but um, I, I, I used to think it was a big deal, but I'm so used to it now. And I don't think people do think it's a big deal. I mean, I, I must admit, I've once I tried to impress people with it and it didn't work. <laughs> it didn't work? No, no. Oh, no. But then <laughs> it was like flat pancake, and I thought, I'll never do that again. It was my ego, you know, I just sort of decided that, well, I might get a few more people in my workshop if I mention this. And I think I've got one or two. <laughs> so, you know, it's not something you can brag about. It's a blessing. And it's not it, on demand. No, <laughs> not really. But it is a blessing for me personally. And I'm very, um, I love Master Poe. He's got a really good sense of humour. And I say to him, where are you from? And he just says, oh, wouldn't you like to know? You know, like he has... I don't think he's from this earth, but um, he's, he's not, he doesn't say he's Hawaiian. He just speaks the language and understands it very well. He says it's a universal language. It's one of the main vibrational languages of humankind. And, um, you know, it's, it's poetry in motion, really. It's a beautiful language. Mm. I have, I have heard a little bit of it. Very interesting. I also mm. just wanted to ask you when you talk about Master Poe or your guides, and I know we're human and we live in such a visual world, but do you see what they look like, your guides, or do you feel them? Yeah, I do occasionally. Um, I have seen gui- some guides very clearly. I know I know what my um, um, main teacher guide looks like, Ray Eagle. He's, he's a Native American teacher. Um, Master Poe, yes, I can see him, but again, it's softening my eyes and moving. You saw, I don't know if you noticed, I put my eyes straight up for him. Um, I, yeah, I can now see I do. He, <laughs> yeah, I can see what he wears. And yeah, if I go like that, I can see Master Poe. If I go like that, I see my other guy. Yeah, it's just shifting my eyes into their world and I can see an image of them. And it's a bit like you remembering what you wore yesterday. You know, like if you tried to remember for a moment what you wore to out last night if you went somewhere you'd have an image come to you, a flash. It's a bit like that. You don't sort of see it as clearly as you see me now, but you have, if you were trying to remember what the person you spoke to yesterday was wearing, it's a bit like that, a bit further away than looking at your own clothes because you know what they are. But, yeah, it's, and it's the same with hearing them. We don't hear their voices the way you speak to me, but if you tried to remember what you said to that person yesterday who you met and you remember what they said, and you have, remember that conversation, you definitely hear a different 
voice when you hear that dialogue between two people. If you try and remember what you heard of conversation yesterday, you can hear a different tone and sound from that person. It's very similar. That's exactly what it feels like when I listen to them. They speak to me as if it's a memory from a past conversation rather than a current conversation speaking to me with that, you know, that I don't hear a physical voice. It's just a little bit different. Does that make sense? It, it, it does. It's, it's um, more, you, you are having a conversation, but it's more just a knowing that's in your head or whether yeah. you want to call it your head or it's but just you there. Do, you do hear a different tone and, and, you know, a male voice compared to a female voice. You can tell the difference, but it's just a... A feeling? Yeah. Yeah, well, as I say, it's, it's exactly like listening to a conversation, remembering a conversation that you have with someone. It's that, that clear, but it's, it's not the same as having a conversation. Yes, because a lot of time I have conversations and I don't remember what I've talked about. <laughs> <laughs> so you're actually remembering as well because it, it's more mm. significant in some way, like a dream. It's like remembering a dream, but you're doing it in the present moment. So they're talking to you right now. Um, oh, you're looking to the right. What does that mean? Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, I just heard, I just heard one of them speak to me right oh. now. And um, Did they want to come through and speak to us? Um, I don't normally do that. But, oh, okay, no problem. Uh, no, no, that's okay. I don't want to put I, I ju- you on no, the spot. No, that's all right. <laughs> um, I, have, I do at times, so when it's important... Um, yeah, so, so my teacher guide is saying that it's a little bit like when you, when you talk to a child and they tell you a story and um, their voices change when they tell the story mm-hmm. and you overhear children play and you can hear them putting on an adult's voice and a child's voice yes. and, you know, that kind of thing. Um, they're in that world of imagination and, and it's so easy for them to channel these stories through from these portals that are there for them to, to reach into. And we can learn to do that as well. And it, it doesn't have to be, it's relearning. It's already a knowing in us. We just have to practice it, that's all. So it's something that we have to have the trust of it in it, of a little child and to to be like a child when we begin this, to be playful with it. and. The problem with opening up to these worlds, if you were if you to get have any concern and, and Gregor is laughing at me, he said, you know, I'm always very careful with teaching anything like this because you can open up to all sorts of portals. And so you have to be particularly careful about which one you open up to. So just, you know, from a careful perspective, a caring, safety perspective, always Always be aware to ask for the highest vibration if you're looking for guidance around anything that is very serious. But if you're just having a playful time, you know, really go to the trees. That's your safest place. Go to the, go to the, go to the flowers. Talk to them. They have some nature diva spirits in them that are, and sometimes very old and ancient spirits in the trees. So you're more able to get guidance that's really clear from somewhere like that than from just picking it up in a world that's full of chaos. You know, you can imagine how that there are 
spirits trapped in other worlds who are always wanting to talk to you. And, and I had to discern those voices for a long time and, and that's what you have to be aware of and very um, sensible about. So if, a, if you tune, tune into anything that's telling you what to do, tune out immediately. If you tune into something that's gentle and kind and wanting to guide you rather than tell you, then, that, then stay with it. So just be discerning about where you tune into and 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 also be um in command of those voices and know that you know when they speak directly to you then you're on track but of course we we have people that can split in their consciousness and if you hear voices that talk to each other and they're arguing and they're telling you to do things that aren't pleasant then you need to go and get professional help that's when they're there's a like a, a line that you've stepped over in your psyche and your brain might need it to be reprogrammed back to, you know, something straighter than that. So, yeah, it can be a, a problem for some people if they open up to other worlds without understanding. I always suggest that you find somebody in the flesh, if you can, to guide you through it, if that's possible. In my time, there wasn't anyone, you know, people didn't know about this the way they know about it now. We didn't have practitioners and professionals who know about these things now. Um, had I gone to a professional in those days, I may have been seen as having a mental illness. But, yes. you know, these days there's so many psychologists and counsellors and psychotherapists and massage therapists and body therapists who really understand this because our consciousness is waking up. We're all waking up to these worlds. So it's much safer now to be able to, to talk about these things than it was 20 years ago. Yes, absolutely. And I love um, what sort of stood out for me among all the wonderful things you're talking about. But if, they, if, if something's telling you what to do, it's, more, it's, it's, not, it's not right. It should be no. more of a guidance or yeah. suggestion. Yeah, well, you ask. You're not told. So if you want to know something, you ask. Like I, I looked to, Mark, to, to Greg or I could hear him stir but he didn't tell me I just said to him do you have something to guide me here and in my head and he just said back yes and then I just listened so okay. you know you you decide when you're going to turn that on and you decide when you're going to turn it off and so if you don't want that interference you turn it off um, you don't want it open all the time I don't have it open all the time because it can be it can be distracting. I need to be on the road and noticing what the car in front of me, you know. Of course. So so you have to be very careful to turn to close those portals with your intention as well. And I remember I had a student who was so psychic, clairvoyant, she was reading people's minds all the time. Not not because she wanted to. She didn't seem to have any choice, but I taught her how to turn those channels off because you do need to have your own space. Yeah, mm. that's, a, that's a really good point. Mm. Heather, this has been so fascinating. In the interest of time, is there something you'd like to particularly talk to the audience about or express to the audience? Probably. Um, that's okay. Take your time think, yeah, <laughs> in the I interest think, of time, but there's no hurry really. <laughs> I think the wisdom I like to, or that I actually have to get going too because I'm on my way to Queensland to okay. take care of my granddaughters this afternoon. How wonderful. Um, yeah. Look, I think if I could, was to give anyone, see how I looked up? 
with Master Po tuning in and I didn't realise. So the, the eight ways that I taught you, that I told you about, yes. they are fantastic. And I also have cards that I have created called daily co-creation cards. What I think is the most important thing I can help people with is to understand if you have a daily practice and make it a practice that you, you do something every day for, for a certain amount of time. So you quest it. So the largest quest I have going at the moment is 222 days, uh, 222 mandalas. They're not days. A mandala is like a mean circle. Mm-hmm. And um, to do a drawing inside of that and a reflection in my journal, I think I've done 149 or something. But I've had 100-day quests, I've had 30-day quests or 33-day quests, and I have 21-day quests, 8-day quests. But just practice an 8-day quest of doing something every day that's the same and a ritual. And um, it doesn't have to be like it can be, you know, that you journal each day or that you light a candle and meditate each day or that you go out and greet the day or introduce yourself to a tree for eight days in a row. But just to have a daily practice because that starts to teach you how to connect to the other worlds and how to have discipline and how also to ask for help, really. And it, it helps you to come into a more solid place, a more grounded way. So I designed cards. It took me three years to design these beautiful cards called Daily Co-Creation Hearts. And they're just a single word. So each day it has an affirmation underneath. You pick a single card and you focus on that for the day. And you can pick two cards. You can pick one at the bottom of the pack, which is about retrieving something in you, waking something up inside of you um, to help you with whatever it is that your intention is. But having an intention every day and a daily practice every day is most helpful for grounding you and for helping you to move through the ebbs of life as well as being in flow. So we, we have an ebb and a flow. And so the daily practice grounds you, keeps you back and keeps you moving and focused. And so the, day, the daily practices, as I say, could be the cards or they could be just learning the eight ways, something like that. So they're the two things that I probably have to offer people that are really solid and worthwhile. Beautiful. And um, but there's lots of things. You know, you can have yeah. mantras that you say. Yeah, there's lots of things. Wonderful. Well, Heather, Heather, thank you so much for being on Passion Harvest. It's been such an insight. I'm so excited to learn more as well. Um, yeah. And happy birthday for a few days away. Oh, how did you find that out? You told me. <laughs> Thank you very much. It Pleasure. Thanks, Heather. Yeah. Thank you for having me, Louisa. Take bye care. Bye-bye. And bye-bye, everybody. Thank you. That is the end of our passionate episode. Thank you so much for listening. And please subscribe, leave a review, tell your friends and spread the passion. As always, every day, may you be more and more passionate.